A reading from the Gospel of John, chapters 20, chapter 20, verse 1 to 18. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and saw the stone had been removed from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one who Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. Then Peter and the other disciple sent out and went toward the tomb. The two were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent down to look in and saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb. He saw the linen wrappings lying there, and the cloth that had been on Jesus' head, not lying in a place, but wrapped up and lying in a place by itself. Then the other disciple, who reached the tomb first, also went in, and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture, that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples returned to their homes." But as Mary stood weeping outside the tomb, as she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had been lying, one at the head and the other at the feet. They said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. When she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you looking for? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. And she turned and she saw him, and said in Hebrew, Rabunai, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, Do not hold on to me, because I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And she told them, that he had said these things to her. The word of the Lord. I don't watch a lot of TV, but when I do watch TV, I tend to watch things like HGTV or The Cooking Network or or Big Bang Theory reruns. I watch a lot of that. I steer clear of news coverage on TV. It, it is, it's not good for my blood pressure. I start yelling at the TV. I'm usually a fairly mild-mannered person, but this other non-pastorly part of me comes out when I watch TV news coverage. And so I just avoid it altogether. I prefer to read my news. But this week, I was home on Monday morning. Uh, our uh, internet was down here at the church, so I decided to stay home and work on some some stuff for this week, and, and while I was working on all that, my phone started lighting up with all these news alerts about the fire at the Notre Dame Cathedral. 
And so I turned on my television to see what was going on and with millions of other people who watched in, in shock uh, as these just horrific flames went through this gorgeous Gothic cathedral and I thought of times when I had been in Notre Dame and I thought of well, our, our office administrator, Tracy, who was there just this last week, and the Connors, members of our congregation who are there even this morning, and just thought of what an incredible loss this was to the church, to art history, to architecture. Of course, we didn't know what would happen, but as I was watching all of this news coverage, then, you know, at some point, the commentators, um, the anchor people, they used to be journalists, now they're mostly just commentators, but anyway, they, they were wringing their hands and, and sort of wondering how in the world the church will ever get beyond this. How can the church recover from such a horrific loss? Where is the Pope, and why isn't he addressing this? As if the Pope were a politician that jumps to a microphone on their demand. And and they were just wringing their hands and wondering how in the world the church could ever, ever respond to something like this. And this got me preaching at my television. Now, some preachers preach on the television. I preach at it. And so... So I started yelling at it, like, what do you think we've been doing for the last 2,000 years? We are people of the resurrection. It's just a church. That's not to say it's not a horrific loss. It is. It is definitely that. But we know. We are Easter people. God does God's best work in graveyards. This is where God works, in the midst of ashes, in the midst of tombs. This is, this is what we do, people. We got this. We know what to do when people are grieving. We know what to do when there is a death. We know what to do when there is unspeakable suffering. Thankfully, soon enough, they started to get bishops and priests and stuff on that were commentating and reminding the commentators that we are people of hope. We are people of the good news. And so ashes, as horrific as they are, They don't stop us. We believe that out of death comes new life. Out of destruction, as awful and humbling and grievous as it may be, God can do a new thing. In fact, not God can, God will do a new thing. We know that God works in graveyards as well as in happy gardens. Mary made her way to the tomb, as Dina talked about and Brian read the scriptures for us this morning. She made her way to the tomb in desperation, and anybody who's ever grieved the loss of a a close loved one knows that grief makes you do funny things. You find yourself doing weird things. As I preached at the the beach this morning at 6.30, I thought, boy, we have Mary to thank for these sunrise services. If she had slept in a little bit, you know, had a bagel, made her way to the tomb, you know, 10 o'clock, we wouldn't be getting here at the beach at 6 o'clock in the morning. But that Mary, in her grief, she just couldn't stay home. She needed, she needed to do something for Jesus. And in this case, you know, Jesus was, was crucified just before the Sabbath. 
And so his body had not been properly prepared for burial, and so she made her way to the tomb to make sure that his body was properly set for, for the tomb. And so she made her way there, and as she got there, of course, we know that there was no body in that tomb, this sort of hollowed-out cave area, and she went in there, and of course, she then she left, and she went to go get Peter, and the Gospel of John always does this funny thing. It's Peter and the other disciple, which we know when we read John, that means John. The other disciple is John, or the beloved disciple is John, but it also can be a stand-in for you. So perhaps you were with them that morning, I don't know. But they, she goes and she gets Peter and the other disciple, and she tells them that the body is not there. There is, you know, there is a big problem at the tomb, and, and it says that they had a race to run there. I love that, that the Gospel of John includes that they raced to get to the tomb, and of course John makes sure that you know that the other disciple got there first. <laughs> It's a little competition there, and, and it says that he got there, and he peeked inside the tomb, and he sees that it's empty, and Peter looked inside the tomb, and he sees that it's empty, but they didn't know what to make of it. They didn't quite understand that Jesus had been raised, and so they left, and they went home, but Mary stayed, and Mary wept. And she looked inside the tomb one more time, and this time she saw two angels standing there. And they told her that it was going to be okay. But still, she wasn't sure. And so, as she turns to leave the tomb, there is Jesus standing there, but she doesn't recognize him. And he calls to her, Mary. And it is in hearing the sound of her own name that she recognizes him, Rabbi. And she must have reached out to hug him because he says, don't cling to me. I'm not staying here. And then Mary leaves and offers As the first witness to the resurrection, she offers the first sermon about the resurrection. She says, I have seen the Lord. It is a five-word sermon. Perhaps all of you wish that sermons were five words, but it's a five-word sermon. I have seen the Lord. And so she begins telling, and the other disciples begin to believe. They begin to believe. It's not until they actually see Christ for themselves that they, they begin to understand what has happened here. But Mary begins to, to tell the story. I wonder, how many of you have seen the Lord? Have you seen Christ in the midst of your lives, in the midst of Great moments of praise and glory, hopefully here this morning as we sing our praise, as we, as we encounter friends and new friends, as we come to know Christ's presence with us. Perhaps you experience Christ in a moment of, of, of high grace in your life, or perhaps it wasn't a time of deep shadows and darkness. Perhaps Christ came to you in a friend that sat by your side as you're 
child was ill, as your spouse died. Perhaps it was in the midst of some deep sorrow that you encountered Christ. I believe that our God is a resurrecting God, a God that doesn't merely resuscitate, bring life, but rather transforms us from one kind of life, the kind of life that easily gives in to fear and uncertainty, to darkness and doubts, or a kind of life that, that knows and is convicted of the resurrecting love of Christ. As you are here this morning, I trust that you are people who are seeking to be transformed every day. I believe that conversion is a constant process, that we are converted maybe one time in our lives, perhaps many times, you know, but that that process is always going on, that God is always working to bring transformation in our lives. God is always working to pull us out of the tombs, out of the things that hold us. You might think for a moment, or what are the tombs in your life? There are so many of them. Sometimes the tomb looks like fear, a fear of the future, a fear of the unknown. Sometimes the, the tomb looks like an anger or a resentment or something that just holds you back and keeps you from loving God or loving others. Sometimes the, the tomb looks like an addiction that holds us, and that can be an addiction to alcohol or drugs or food or anything. There's lots of addictions out there. Perhaps the tomb can look like a struggle in a marriage or in a relationship. Whatever the tombs are of our lives, our faith is not one that just sort of glosses it over and pats us on the head and says, it'll be all be all right, it'll be great, put on a smiley face. No, that's not, that's not the Christian faith. The Christian faith says we can go into tombs. We can look at the darkest, scariest, shadowy places in our lives, in our families, in our marriages, in our communities, in our world. We can look at all of the ashes. And we can know that God can redeem them. God can take these tombs and bring forth new life. And so today I want to invite you to see the Lord. To see the Lord in whatever your tomb is. To know that Christ's redeeming love is infusing those places too. That new life can come from the midst of our ashes. It is my prayer for the people of Paris and, and the people of France that those ashy remains of the cathedral turn into the rebirth of the church. That there become an inspired new faith for the people of Paris. A new commitment to Christ. And it is my prayer for all of us that no matter what tomb holds us, no matter what shadows yet claim us, no matter what doubts and griefs and angers and fears and all of those things still keep us from experiencing redeeming love and sharing redeeming love, that all of those would be wrapped up this Easter morning because we know that that's the holy work of God today. God does God's best work in our darkest graveyards. So friends, please look for the Lord today.
Let us leave this place proclaiming that we have seen the Lord, that God's redeeming love, as the hymn proclaims, is done, but it's only just begun in our lives, that God's redeeming love is here for you, for me, for every one of us to transform and renew and bring us to new life in Christ. Let us pray. Gracious God, you are a God that calls us from tombs. Whatever those tombs look like, fears, doubts, insecurities, tombs of racism, tombs of poverty, tombs of hurt, tombs of broken relationships. And you are a God that brings forth healing and hope and new life. And so, God, wherever those tombs are, call us forth. Let us see the Lord and let us proclaim his grace and redeeming love, transforming and renewing our lives. For it is in the name of the risen Christ that we live. Amen.